All right, welcome back. We are now going to embark on part two of our awesome conversation with Herman Sontrap and Kent Russell. We're in part one. We had a very interesting tour of what was inside Movie Viewer, the great application that was submitted by Herman and Kent for the Shiny Contest. And towards the end, we put little teasers out there for some of the immense work that Kent has put in to make this binding of R with Vue.js even more elegant, even more easier to use. And that's what we're going to dive into now. So Ken, why don't you walk us through some of the awesome work that you've done uh, to make all this possible? Yeah, happy to. Some of my favorite sections of this, uh, of your show are the live coding. So why don't we do some actual code? You bet. Um, thanks, Herman, for setting it up. I think it, uh, it, 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 we needed to get through that um, for some of this to make sense. But let's start here. There is a package on CRAN called ViewR. It does not do much, um, but this would be the left of the five options that Herman said about how we can access it. So one of the things about View that I like um, is we already mentioned that it's automatically reactive. So that's very intuitive for a traditional Shiny developer. Um, another thing is that it passes attributes as quoted strings which if we think about it, when we're sending R over the WebSocket to Shiny, I mean, to the web, um, those are quoted strings. So it really works well, whereas React in its JSX attributes, they're often bare JavaScript functions and objects, um, oh, okay. which are much harder to navigate. Um, so that's another really attractive feature about Vue. Um, so I set that up, there is this package, but let's just walk through. Herman said, um, you know, here's the sort of the first example. So let's see what it looks like. This, I think, for most Shiny developers will look fairly familiar. Um, the browsable piece, because we're not in Shiny, just says to open it up. Um, and then we do a tag list. And here we have, if you're familiar with my other packages, um, and many of the RStudio other packages use the same sort of setup. And this is just providing the dependency. The really the benefit of this is if you don't have access to the web, you have a local version of you or whatever that dependency is. So you can be on a flight without access to Wi-Fi um, and all of this runs locally, or you could be in a secure environment that doesn't allow you to do that. So sets up nicely. There is an option here, offline equals true as default. Offline equals false. We'll just go out to the content delivery network CDN. So all this is going to do, and it's not exciting, is to fill this div with this message. But let's see if it works. And library. So again, not very exciting, um, but <laughs> Vue is populating this for us. Um, so we'll walk through the next example, which was the now you see me which kind of shows the, or no, there's, sorry. There is another option. Um, this one, I'm not sure makes a lot of sense, but it does uh, change sort of the makeup. And this is really just a widget. So it's an HTML widget. And instead of the JavaScript looking object, we're passing a list. So that's the difference. I won't walk through it, but it's, uh, it sets up an HTML widget just like we know and love. Right, so 
Um, I think that's a very good example. Let's walk through a couple more. This is on GitHub. Um, let's see some of the code. Not all that exciting, but here's the widget. So for those built widgets, it works very similarly. Um, and we create a widget and then pass the dependency. And then let's see, the other examples are mostly all inside here. Um, and let's just run a couple. So uh, here's a view widget. There's one more, I think, down here, if I remember. And for those of you that paid very close attention to the last episode, uh, this is Herman's second example. Um, so in this case, we're going to see it. Um, and when this scene toggles from true to false, uh, you will see this or you won't. Um, but this sort of helps explain the reactivity. And now you see me, now you don't. So, <laughs> um, not all that cool, but you can see here, all we're doing is changing that data to the opposite of what it was before. Every now what's second. interesting is that it looks like you do get a little lower level of HTML, which is itself to do the rendering. Whereas some other packages will have like their own functions that look like a package-like function. So is that just for demonstration or, or is there a reason you went that route? It's more for demonstration. Got it, um, okay. Nothing okay. in particular, but what we're doing is at using the own render. So Herman had mentioned the view lifecycle, HTML widgets also have a lifecycle with uh, fewer hooks. But in this case, it says after we render just every one second, uh, similar to invalid, invalidate later in right, Shiny right. to just toggle true to false. Um, but here you can see it working in a context. If this were in Shiny, if you were to set this up, um, it would easily work just like a widget. So you have view, in, uh, view output functions um, just to prove it. Let's just say view output. And so... Um, similar to, well, I meant to just show the code, uh, but similar to any other widget, you can include it within Shiny uh, with very minimal um, amount of effort. Very cool. So any questions? Or Herman, are you still with us? you want to yeah. add in? No, I'm fine. So, so we're going to take it a couple steps farther and show that uh, Herman mentioned we used Beautify. Beautify is one of my favorites. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, the biggest fan of material design, um, but the way they do it is in a very special way. And the component set I think is intuitive. The API is well-documented and the just sheer number of potential options that you have seem almost limitless. Um, so to be able to tap into that without any any much work is truly amazing. Yeah, when Herman was showing um, that in the in the slides from the last episode, I already have in mind at least one work project where I basically use Shiny as a glorified web form just to send content to a database that somebody would fill out just to yeah. keep records of stuff. And yeah, I use the I use you know I use a Shiny dashboard thing. I mean it's it's good, but boy this using using the design like with view i mean 
that would wow some people. So if nothing else, I might just investigate refactoring it just for the looking alone. But then I have another package. Um, some of you may be familiar with this um, that are watching. I have a calendar application to show when various R users are going to stream their R-related content on Twitch yeah. and hopefully YouTube in the future. I literally have done no styling to it. There's one widget in there, and that's basically it. So I see cases now that I'm starting to see kind of the insides of this where a viewer could be a great help to just take that experience up a few notches. So I'm, I'm certainly interested in pursuing this. Yeah, and it's probably a good point to mention that Vue is one of its other very attractive features is it you don't have to have complete adoption. Meaning sure. if you have a website that was on React or traditional HTML and JavaScript, it was built, I think, intentionally so you could include it sort of piece by piece. Um, so if you were to transition a very large site to it, you could just start page by page or component by component. Um, where that comes in in our shiny context is that if you just want the calendar piece, and I have a calendar example, maybe that would be a good, good one to show, is you yeah. can just include that and everything else works as if you didn't exist. Wow. Um, so it's a really attractive feature. I think React, you can do that. But in general, when you go React, you go all the way React, meaning everything is either bare HTML, JavaScript, or React, and there's no other... Um, system it's not mandatory um, but i think a pleasant feature about view is that it's it's built in such a way that it's easy to just adopt partially um, so maybe it'd be a good time to mention some frameworks herman feel free to jump in uh, there's other ones material design uh, also is material design but a little different i prefer beautify mint is one element um, and a new one, fairly new one, is Naive UI, which actually works with Vue 3. Um, so Vue 3 is not uh, stable, but it's close. All of, all of our examples are on Vue 2, um, but Vue 3 is coming. It's not significantly different, but it has a couple uh, neat new features. Um, Mint, Element, Naive UI, and I think Aruga is another really good framework um, that also works with V3. Beautify is in transition two to three, so there is a beta, but it's not in production yet. I see. Okay. So even if you if you want to use uh, Bootstrap in any way, clearly you can do this in Shiny as well, but the ability to manipulate the template is really more powerful, I would say, the ease at which you can do it you know, with, with with these options with Vue to wrap things in little component and then reuse this is really nice. So there's also the option, which is not a, a real framework, but it's sort of a, a utility library for Tailwind CSS. So in Tailwind, instead of having full components, you basically annotate your markup and you can easily componentize this with a framework like Vue. And now you can make up your own design system really easily. So it's called Tailwind CSS, and it's it's also very popular these days to do this. So you're not tied into whatever Vudify does. So if Vudify decides to change things, you, you have to change this, but maybe the way they do it, like I happen to like how it looks, maybe Kent has a different style. So, uh, and with, um, Similar to with D3 with, with Tailwind, there was more stuff to do, but you have also more flexibility on how you can use uh, and create components. 
So the, the, the idea of a utility library is that you're sort of halfway between the components already fully built or you completely custom CSS is sort of in the middle. So it's sort of very easy to do things with sort of, yeah. It's a very interesting approach, I think, which, which gains a lot of traction. Um, so it may be good for a reference to say, uh, yeah, there was also that. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm glad you mentioned that it has become popular for, for a very good reason. Um, there, I think there is a package or module called Windy, W-I-N-D-I C-S-S, that uh, tries to tie view with Tailwind more closely. And then I think it's Uno CSS by the same author, um, AntFu, A-N-T-F-U on GitHub, um, that tries to use all of the utility, including Tailwind as one of those. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't think it's production worthy yet. I've only played with it. Um, but for anybody that's on the utility, uh, utility CSS convert, um, I'm glad Herman brought those up. Very cool. Um, By the way, you can uh, totally mix uh, Beautify and Tailwind. It's not custom to do it. I don't recommend you do it, but <laughs> you can. So that means there are some uh, prefix in front of all the classes, which makes it more tedious to type. Mm. But uh, you can actually set that up like that. And I think in future expansions of Beautify, they are talking about a white label um, framework in which you, that would play much nicer with all kinds of other libraries. But it's not there yet. And View 3, Beautify 3 is sort of the successor of Beautify 2, of course. And that ties in with View 3, that that will be released somewhere and quarter one, I believe, next year. Very cool. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah. So why don't we, do you want to look at another framework and end with a calendar example since you had mentioned that? Sounds good to me. Let's do it. <clears throat> All right. So here, let's see what it looks like with Mint. Um, we're just setting up the dependency. This is not essential. But when you're in a larger Shiny project, uh, a dependency means that you only get one version. Um, so it's, uh, it's helpful uh, to set up a dependency um, because it will strip duplicates and it will also find the most recent. Uh, this causes problems with different conflicting jQuery or D3 versions. Um, but in this case, it's only one. This is not essential, but in reality, you could just pass script source equals. Um, but to be a little more robust, I'll use the dependency here. Yeah, that's actually and, a principle that uh, David Grangen mentions in his outstanding Shiny UI book of the concept of utilizing dependencies but being strict about what version you bring in, which as somebody who has to deal with very important reproducibility issues from both the analysis perspective but the development perspective, you better believe I'm on full control over that. So I'm glad to see that here. Yeah, and this works well. I mean, even in the time, I can't remember how old this library is. It's just recently on CRAN, but, uh, you mm -hmm. know, version to version as I've had to specify versions because they've changed significantly. So sure. this allows us to do the version. Um, but let's just play. Here are the, instead of tags, dollar sign div, we're just doing a custom tag, MT switch or MT checklist. Um, all of this then gets populated by view in this case it's the widget form so let's just see a couple more examples of this component library i think it's very nice um, and we get a little switch right and all of these you can easily tie into shiny with the mechanisms we show through an event bus or view x or you can just say on change 
with a watcher to send the input value to Shiny. I'll show another more um, interesting but dangerous uh, way of doing this um, in a little bit. But here uh, we get fairly nice components again with very minimal effort. I and mean, it looks, it already looks great already. I mean, you can style on top of that, but certainly a, a great um, UI pleasing experience there. Yeah, so all it takes is a tag um, yep. because all the hard work's being done on the JavaScript side. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody that is familiar with HTML tools or Shiny can very easily start to plug this in. And I think that's sort of the purpose of this session. Um, they can get more complicated like uh, Herman's app is. Um, I wouldn't say complicated, but it can be a little overwhelming, whereas just small isolated examples, I think, can be a little more reassuring. Yeah, and plus maybe more gentle onboarding too. Like you can start smaller and then you just add components as you go, maybe mix and match different UI pieces, and then you can achieve the the immense awesome uh, view, movie viewer eventually. <laughs> yeah. But you can so... see here if, if the component becomes bigger and it's a lot of lists, a lot of tags. Sure. It, it just becomes pretty... Uh, cumbersome to to write and then if you can like in a, in a single file component which which i guess can't will get to in a while uh, with the build step um it's just easier to manipulate just the html uh, because that's what you want to do you're basically giving r instructions to build html or to to create javascript and then execute it so it's also for the code editing uh, yeah, getting all these deeply nested tag functions, et cetera, and getting a, for instance, also the browser, sort of the tooling support, right? That if you say, pretty this up for me, uh, yeah, the support to have a VS code for, you know, code checking and, and uh, auto alignment, et cetera, is like amazing. So an auto completion of options that you have. So it's depends. You can do exactly the same thing. It's just, nice development experiment, developer experience, I believe. Yeah, so these, tag, fun these tag functions are not collapsible. Um, so that can be a little unpleasant, but I'll yeah. show a little tip. Um, Y'all let me know if you like it or not. Um, but let's do this date picker. So to get a date picker, which is effectively a calendar, this is all it takes um, is that and we're sending it where to put it type and placeholder, which is not necessary it just says pick a day there is i think this is solved an element but the old one used to require a locale so a lot of this uh, don't let it scare you it's not really necessary um but dates in different countries look different so that sets that oh, up. oh i i've um, had my scary moments with time zone conversions uh recent <laughs> months so it takes a lot to scare me now after that our, our ordeal <laughs> Yeah, so for fun, let me show you my little tip. Um, uh, it's probably nothing novel, but uh, so with tags, like I said, these are not collapsible. Sure. Um, but we could do something like, uh, sorry, this, and they do become collapsible. Oh, um, look so, at that. The, the old friendly curlies come to the rescue. So <laughs> there, um, or I think, uh, it will not work inside of that, but in some of the larger shiny apps I've worked on, I use this uh, extensively oh. um, just because you can collapse it down. Very nice. Uh, so yeah, I'll be using that more often. Uh, and just to prove it works, we'll copy this. Um, let me expand this. And Can you see it okay, Eric? I forgot to ask. Looking good. Yep. Uh, 
And let's see, I screwed something up. Um, <laughs> my brackets might be mis misplaced. It's uh, usually the most common error I ever have is a misplaced or a forgotten bracket, and so it goes haywire after that. Delete, and I think this will make it work. Yeah, it's always like what worked before, and then until <laughs> on yeah. top. Yep. So here we have a slider, which is you know fairly nice. Sure. Uh, I just add breakpoints just to show that they're there. Uh, you can change the increment. Um, here's a time feature, not all that exciting, but here I think is a neat little calendar. Um, again, with uh, two lines of code, you have a calendar. Um, all of the frameworks have them. So Vitify, Aruga, Naive, Element have very nice and uh, they have range selection. So you can do two from um, in a really pleasant context. So I think uh, I just wanted to show that since you had mentioned the shiny calendar. Nice. Um, again, we're not in shiny, um, but any of this can be used throughout. Um, just for fun, I think Leaflet has a lot of traction. Um, so I want to issue, and it's not necessary, but somebody wanted to switch um, the core pleth source, meaning it was one topo JSON file, but uh, wanted to change it. So here we do it in view. Um, so we just add a little select and we watch it and this gets a little fuzzy, a little ugly um it's not using the api past this point um but then we change the call to leaflet um so just want to show that example real quickly because i think it illustrates the concept of partial adoption meaning uh, this is traditional leaflet map nothing else has changed except we have the select and you if you pay close attention, the core plot changes. Yes. So uh, no additional event logic, nothing other than a watcher that says when that select changes. Um, this is actually a div that has the curly braces, uh, similar to Whisker that just doesn't even have a watcher. It just happens automatically. Now, this was the leaflet that we all know of um, in the widget ecosystem. Yeah. Or is this, yeah, this is the same one, right? So you'll see, I should have pointed that out. Um, where is it? Oh, let's go to this. It'll be easier to view. Let me make it bigger. Um, but yeah, so library yep. leaflet, library leaflet extras. Tried and true. And so you can mix and match these map. as you see fit. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that. So here, uh, here's the map. I call it map, a very novel. Um, and then uh, inside of, well, where is it? Right here. Um, we just put it inside a div element underneath all our view stuff. So plugs and plays very nicely. No um, additional content or conflicts that are caused. These are good examples, I feel, in which it's uh, ridiculously easy in R to do it. And uh, more work uh, in JavaScript to do exactly the same thing. So uh, Leaflet in the end is a JavaScript uh, library. So in the end, uh, you're talking to the same thing, but uh, you can really utilize the prior work of a lot of other people uh, and the piping, et cetera, makes it very clean. Uh, while uh, if I would do the same in JavaScript, yeah, in the end, it's still JavaScript, but it's a lot more work. Yeah, a lot do. more development time to get there, even though, yeah, and you especially can. Especially the pipe is so clean, the way you can write the code, and so succinct. 
uh, with the options that are already available that that's that's really hard to beat that's absolutely that's where i think r is a clear winner and and that pipe is amazing uh you know what you can do there yep and now built into native r yep yeah and since this is not the html tool show or javascript show let's just show a quick shiny example um ui traditional except it's not using any bootstrap functions we could strip it i don't think i do strip bootstrap from this case uh but it's a more traditional just tag div mm -hmm. um and then we add a little this predates um herman's work with vuex uh, but here we just instead of an actual official store we just set up, set up almost a global variable that is filled with sprint f uh, classic uh, <laughs> and uh, do want to call out uh, how do you pronounce r uh, martin m-a-r-t-i-g-j-n herman another netherlands or dutch Ooh. Wait, package what? Author. martin Gale? R martin or martin m-a-r-t martin tenekis yeah. uh tree map yeah. um okay is one of my favorite packages and uh, okay. actually will generate random higher hierarchical data um but he and edwin j-o-n-g-e um uh developed a hierarchical colors um palette that'll do that so i just want to call out them while i have uh this up both extremely uh good authors Ed, edwin also is the author of the um whiskers package uh, so very pleased to have them in the R community as well. Um, but let's see what this does. And I'll talk through it in just a second. Let's make sure it works. It's from five years ago. And Ooh, this is fancy. Uh, so this is D2B, which Sunburster, Sunburst R package um, has two versions. This is one of them, but it also has a view version. So this is not using the Sunburst R HTML widget. It's just creating it with view. And then Shiny is just updating the data. Um, so neat little example, um, mostly in Shiny. Um, and all we're doing, similar to uh, Herman's example before, is just updating that data. Um, so we can walk through it real quickly. Um, so we're just not copying and pasting. But here, again, this Sunburst chart is just three lines, four lines, right? We're giving it data and we're giving it the configure the options, um, which is pretty mind blowing. Um, and that this, we do some stuff to make it update, but if we were not having shiny update the data on a, I think a one second basis, um, then that's literally four lines of code. And we supply the data either from our shiny or just directly in JavaScript. Yeah, what is really nice to add maybe to the, the power of the components similar to the uh, in npm this is a giant repository of uh components and sort of javascript functionality that you have so uh, for for this particular example of showing sunburst the same uh, guy who made the globe example also made for all the hierarchies in uh in d3 so the sunburst chart and the the icicle and the um the trees etc um you can um so it's Vosteriana. yeah that's the one um it is a single line of view code that gets you 
uh, these things. So also the globe is actually a single line of code that you get. So wow. once, you, once you know from this globe, uh, so all the credits of the globe go to him. So all, all, um, and he created this JavaScript library. And um, with these bindings that we showed you, um, you can very easily wrap uh, these components. And the nice thing is that to get the data in, in, in the shape you want, you don't really need to worry about this uh, because uh, Jeroen's own package is doing it for you. So the JSON light is doing the conversion for you. And it's, they got a bunch of straightforward functions. Um, Kent has used, has written a few, right? To how, how do you create a hierarchy out of a uh, data frame? So Kent has a few D3 helpers that allow you to do this. But then suddenly, all these things become one or two liners. And then yes. most of the, the time you spend this, you know, tampering with options. Saying, I want to go or I want this specific color. And your time goes into sort of the styling of the thing and not the worrying about how did they actually create this. So in the JavaScript, if you can tap into that ecosystem, similar to the uh, the way that our studio is supporting Python. Sure. If you were taking it. You're not saying, oh, how do I code all that in R? No, you don't. You just use the job, you know, the Python functions. And clearly you need to familiarize yourself with that, but it's also easy to learn. So all these things like um, these script languages like JavaScript or Python or R are relatively easy to, to learn. Certainly the basic stuff. I mean, a lot of people have, have, have made this stuff available to you to use as a one line. So um, clearly making a full-blown uh, Sunburst chart is a lot of work, right? Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of D3 code to write, but right. you can tap into that similar as you do for our packages. But now there's like, an, you know, it's at least a thousand times more, you know, stuff available for JavaScript, I would say, than it's for just R. So, and our studio has been advocating also this, idea that if you glue certain things together, either JavaScript or R or Python or R, that's not a bad thing per se, right? So you can go from strength to strength to use what each of these sort of um, universes bring. And they, they bring sort of similar things, but they also bring a lot of different things. So certain things are easy in R and they're just not in something else. So that pipe thing is just amazing. You don't have that in JavaScript, but if you combine these worlds, and this is sort of what Kent and I tend to do a lot, you get an amazing set of options, and it's really not that hard uh, to do these things. Yeah, speaks to the interoperability that's been in R since day one. I mean, but now in the context of this uh, web development space, yeah, I mean, this is definitely seen more attainable than maybe it was if you talked to me back at Shiny DevCon when you and I were there years ago. <laughs> it's a lot easier to get yeah. started with, so. Yeah, there's also more books, more more That's people. True. So yeah. before I only had Kent stuff, and I didn't know Kent at all. So it was just like going into his GitHub <laughs> and checking the source code I know, right? to see what actually happened. You know, yeah. and uh, he, he writes things like, "This is very easy." You know, and then I felt like I don't know what that does, right? So uh, yeah, if you know what the source code does, I guess everything is easy. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's a lot more books also by a lot more people who have Absolutely. actually written about this. So I think people are in a much better place uh, than, than Kent was when he started doing this. 
Yes. Uh, and I have to figure out a lot of things himself. And now you, you have a lot of options. So you don't need to be scared of this anymore. I think it's not a mystery that only Joe Chang and uh, some other people know how to write a binding. Very well said. Yep. So um, maybe a couple more examples, and then we'll go into um, something that can be overwhelming, even to full-time professional JavaScript developers, uh, and that's the JavaScript build ecosystem. Uh, you'll notice that we have no build steps here other than uh, our functions. Sure. So that's deliberate, but while... Um, maybe we, we should say uh, to, to the users what a build step actually is. So yeah, why not do... Um, can we do just another R example? Yeah, let's do that first. <laughs> and we'll ease, dive into in, it. Yeah. ease into the uh, the build. You're scaring build me already, but we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll trust <laughs> your judgment. <laughs> There's there is a very vibrant community that has made it easier, um, but it's overwhelming in terms of the number of options. It's also overwhelming if something breaks, uh, meaning yep. that if oh something just stops working or something changes, then it can be a very big rabbit hole to try to fix uh, that problem. Um, but here would be an element example, again, just straight shiny. Um, so the same thing that created the day picker, time picker, and the slider um, in a shiny context. So here, I don't know if you notice, we have a very nice tree that has indeterminate meaning, things like that, and then just printing out the object. Um, so another point, we don't have to copy and paste all of these. So blocks was a, a legacy system set up by Mike. Bostock to show off really D3, but it became uh, one of the mechanisms I used to show off R with JavaScript. I remember very well all the posts you had on your widgets blog always had a block somewhere around So there. it has been somewhat deprecated. Observable is a very nice thing, but mm -hmm. we can see some other examples here um, where we have a horizon chart. Uh, and this is that element tree, right? It's made up data. Um, but fairly amazing um, in that it just doesn't take that much code. Um, this is also so. nice maybe to, to say what, what view offers as a slot. So you have this tree and you could sort of say you have a placeholder. This is a slot and the slot can have a name. And what you put in this is your business. So you can do the same thing with, with YouTube video players and have that open up or not or, uh, you know, complete app if you want to. Doesn't make any sense to do that, but you could. And so you could also stake a horizon chart in it, and they just did. And now you have a tree which has horizon charts, you know, in it. So that's a really nice feature that uh, View makes especially easy to do, I would say. Yeah, and as long as you say, I have basic content that I want, but if you don't like it, you can swap it out for whatever you want. Yeah, and in that case, that's a widget. Um... Yeah, it's in an uglier form. This isn't working, but I'm gonna try it just for fun. Um, That's how we do it on my shows. May not work. We're gonna shoehorn it in somehow. <laughs> well, it's I mean, it's I think five years old at this point. But let's see if it works. Yeah. So yeah, there here would be uh, network D3 um, widget over to the right, showing random hierarchical data. Uh, but we can tie these two together, meaning this is a view component element tree, and you can see it highlighting those. So 
lots of interesting combinations. Um, it doesn't really take that amount of effort, that much effort. Um, but now we're ready to get into build steps. I'll let Herman talk about build steps. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, it's it's a, too big of a subject for me. Well, I'm, I'm definitely one of these people that can't mention that I use a build tool every day, but they made it easy. So they build tools are especially things like Webpack. They are insanely powerful and insanely complicated to use. Uh, it's a lot of documentation. It's like a zillion options. So people don't really, most people like me, they, they're like, oh, that's too much for me. So they made it easy. So they have a CLI. Uh, which is called, and um, this can help you build a standard configuration at which you can do things. So you can say, I have a CLI for view, and this will set up uh, for you a, a very easy way to, to bootstrap a project and to get all the stuff going. It has a, spins up a development server for you. But the build tool essentially, please uh, correct me if I'm uh, making mistakes, Ken, but it will do a lot of different tasks for you. One of the tasks that it can do for you is to bundle a bunch of dependencies for you. So once you go into the NPM sort of node package management stuff, you get literally for simple projects, you get hundreds of thousands of little snippets. It gets from everywhere and it starts compiling this into a, what is in the end a very small JavaScript file, but the number of dependencies on this is huge. So D3 depends on stuff and Vuedify has the dependencies and Vue has dependencies and you get dev dependencies and uh, it, it solves a lot of problems for you that you don't need to worry about the order in which things are loaded. So when you do the script tags, which I did, if you make a mistake, uh, some functions don't work because they say, no, no, you need to use, you need to load Vue first and then use this. Or if you use this D3 library, you need to lose first D3, then something else. And this becomes very tedious. The management of these packages becomes tedious. Uh, but you can also do things like minification uh, or, which is really nice, is transpile code. So what that means is that you can use very advanced JavaScript, which is just out now, which is not supported natively by a browser. It will be in the future, but they got tools like Babel which can convert your new JavaScript. So, uh, you know, a few years ago, you had ES6, which is uh, sort of ES2015, and it uses arrow functions and stuff like this. And it just doesn't work out of the box because it's new. It's JavaScript of the future. It mm. is certified. It's spec compliant, but it doesn't work in your browser. And Babel can convert that to the same sort of code that would, so uh, ES5 code. So it's sort of, sort of the, the current, I would say one generation ago, you know, the, the JavaScript from 2010 uh, and not the JavaScript from 2022. So in 2022, they're, they're, every year now they are creating more and more options. And usually it took a long time before there was an increment in the language. Now they do it every year. Mm. Every year JavaScript becomes more important in 2005 it was still sort of eh, it's there and then google maps came and it blew everybody away and since then javascript completely exploded with node you know one of the biggest things and the cli is is a tool that will help you bootstrap a project what is can set it does a lot for you it works until it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you you you're like okay 
So maybe my loader doesn't work, for instance, because it's a custom way they do it. Mm. And uh, then you're deep into the woods. So I always pray that it doesn't happen. <laughs> and when it does, I just figure it out another way. But it, it can be pretty intimidating. But it will essentially bundle all your JavaScript dependencies, all your CSS stuff, all your SAS compilation, all the, the single file components, all the babble things, it will all take care of that. Minification, et cetera, et cetera. Tree shaking, which means uh, you include a big library, but you only use one thing. Tree shaking says you can get rid of what you don't use. Ah, good. You can do port CSS. So for instance, if you use Tailwind, they use a lot of classes for development that you don't end up using. So then you can set this up and then some purge function will run. And this will strip away everything from the bundle that you didn't use. So it's for optimization, et cetera, post pre-processing stuff. It's, and this is also where the complexity comes in because there's so many options. And you get more and more easy to use build tools. And Vue and React now have uh, create React app, which sets up everything for you. So it runs a little bit. And then you, boom, you, you suddenly have a development environment. Uh, and it works great. Again, I think 95% for me, it works. Well, when it doesn't, eh, you regret that you use CLI because yeah, you don't know what it did. <laughs> I know, I know I, I how to use my TV until it breaks. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, I don't know. I guess I don't know how television works, right? Because, uh, there's no way I can fix that. So it's just slightly similar, but I'm over dramatizing maybe a bit, but, um, yeah, I definitely been in that pain that yeah I broke and I didn't know what to do. And Is that I a think, reasonable explanation, Kent? No, I think you did a very fine job. And I would say that in most cases, a traditional R user does not need to get to this step. Um, no. But if you do know it, then it becomes very powerful. So if you get to this stage of your JavaScript journey, um, then it can also be play well very nice just like anything else with Shiny. Are there or, analogies uh, with this and in the Node.js world, Webpack and NPM? Is it kind of similar to that or are there subtle differences there? NPM is kind of like CRAN. Oh, um, right, the package manager, I mean, yeah, yeah. It has all the packages, yeah. Webpack or Rollup or Vite, um, which uses the new AS build, which is much faster, uh -huh. um, would be, I don't know, if there was a compile step before we sent a package to CRAN, that's what it would do. I see. Okay. Um, but R doesn't have that. I mean, sure. we don't compile our code into something else. It just, I mean, it gets compiled, um, but we don't see that build. Right. Um, it happens. Right. Uh, but this is an intermediate step to put all this stuff together. Okay. Um, like you said, different CSS versions, uh, different forms of JavaScript code, whether it's ES6 or older versions, um, all kind of have to eventually be bundled in a usable form. Um, but another issue with Shiny, especially if you use widgets, is if you use five, 10 different widgets plus Shiny, you have a massive payload <laughs> at the front um, yes. to get up and going, meaning I think Plotly is two meg. And it's not that it's problematic. It's just if you get a lot of it, it's it's another sort of potential re 
for clunkiness and slow load. Right, right. Um, which in modern web, people just don't put up with. Um, we're in a world where we're expected to load and all of the Google documents say it should load within a half a second or you lose money. Um, exactly. So there's been this, and we've gotten accustomed to where everything loads immediately um, and we get a, a nice, pleasant experience. But yep. when we have big dependencies, especially HTML widgets um, and the web pack, I mean, the web socket back and forth and that, usually is the main reason for slow load on most shiny apps. Um, so uh, the other thing I want to point out is you, you might not ever get here, which is fine. I think you can still develop a very nice app without it. Um, so, but if you do, I want to make sure we illustrate how it's done. Uh, but secondly, uh, you know, most modern development is done with teams. There might be an R set that's doing the shiny and a fully competent expert javascript css html and there you have to combine the two worlds yes um so i think plumber is a very good example where R, uh the javascript just want to rest endpoint um and they're going to do their thing whether it's view or react or svelte or angular or something like that and as long as they can get what they need from that endpoint they don't care if it's python or r or some other go or rust or whatever it is um, and in that case, but even in a shiny context, if you want, um, if you have that, the R team can do all the shiny um, and we just need a mechanism, right? To combine the, the two worlds yes. um, or the two groups or they're not operating in silos. So Herman mentioned ViewCly. It's the older um, of the view libraries. This was with View 2. It's developed by the same author, Evan Yu. Um, but in this case, this is how easy it is to set up a project with all the compile steps and all the build tools that you need. Um, you install it. So this would be similar to install packages in R, um, NPM or Yarn. Uh, probably have a long discussion on why somebody would use it. Really, it doesn't matter. Um, and then you say view create projects. So it's similar to use this, right? Maybe that's a parallel in terms of setting up a template. Um, using MIT license, it goes through and you set up an NPM package in effect. So what if we want this to become a shiny app, right? Um, so <laughs> that was the intent of this exercise. I put it out here. Um, we'll get into the code, but the initial view, um, this is kind of what you get when you set it up as you get a lot of the readme steps, you get the Babel config, the package JSON, all of this stuff, you get an index.html file, um, and then eventually this gets compiled into a view app. So this is just the standard template. Um, I don't have it in its original form, but I'll kind of walk through the commits to show that how do we add Shiny to this, right? Um, and here's VS Code. Um, so instead of all of that template, we leave almost everything the same, except, You'll notice here, shiny head content. So it is a, it's HTML tools, HTML template fills that with really just shiny and jQuery JavaScript and CSS that gets populated in UI. So we, we supply that template. Um, I'll stay in the JavaScript and then switch over to the R. Um, so that binds this. If we didn't have anything else, then we have a Shiny app that's the original ViewKai template. 
and we can start to do things. Um, for fun, though, we, we take it a step further. Um, but this is all the import here. Let's see. Index.js is we start to add a couple things. These are the routers, but we add a leaflet widget. So we make a single file component that can house an HTML widget. So really, it doesn't seem like that need a concept, but imagine just being able to pass an HTML widget from R and it get populated just like Herman showed the ggplot. Um, and that really you pass it just like you would any other thing, um, a plot, a render plot, and then it gets populated. Um, so all of this, we get a build step. Um, this build step is a little long. One is my computer's old. Um, but when we build it, um, and it's just yarn build, right? It will populate um, the dist directory. So where is it? Here. So this is our actual live app. So it's CSS. We don't mess with that. It's an image. Um, uh, just the view logo. And then we get all of this. But what we see that we still have, um, but it minifies it, so yep. it's a smaller bundle, is we still have this little effect slot or place so that Shiny can just connect. Um, and it installs that. So I hope that sort of makes sense. Um, yeah. But if we were to do that, I'd say yarn build. And then I'd come over Art Studio. You can stay entirely in VS Code. I like to do R and R Studio and JavaScript and VS Code. Some people have gone one way or the other. Um, so here's what it looks like on the server side. Because we have this dist file, so it's not www traditional, we just add the resource path and says that when HTML is looking for this um, directory, it knows to where to go here. So we just saw all of those CSS image JS. All right. And then here, what we're going to do is HTML widgets. Are you familiar how they set up? Meaning when they, when they set it up in terms of the DOM, do you know what it looks like? Uh, peripherally, I've, I've seen a few tutorials. So usually it's a div and then it's a script tag with JSON in it. Yes, right, right. So it works really well. Um, but if we're in a JavaScript context, why would we put Java, uh, JSON data inside of a script tag? It's sort of a weird concept that works. But wouldn't it be better if we could just pass the data directly? Um, sure. In terms of <laughs> leave the JavaScript outside of our DOM. Yeah. Um, so in general, this could be a lot easier if I just pass the tag. Um, but what we'll do is we'll strip out from the widget just the piece that has the options in the data. So instead of, uh, and this is a little messy and not necessary, uh, but just to make it more challenging for ourselves, <laughs> we take out the, uh, the data. So what does that look like? Um, if we were to do leaflet, I think I still have leaflet installed. Um, we have a leaflet map, right? I think we're all good here. Yeah. Um, but let's run this function on it just to describe kind of how it works. And I might be going too far down the rabbit hole, but get widget data. 
from our map. You're basically traversing the DOM to get to that specific uh, child element. Yeah, like. so what yeah. we see is this is what we get, right? That's JSON. Yes. So yes. just for fun, let's see what that looks like in JSON. By the way, I want to thank you again for this viewer. I use that so much in my early days of development. I use it on a daily basis. Yes, it's, um, it's instrumental. So here's what, we, here's what it is. It's all the options, right? Um, oh, and yeah. Leaflet has calls. So it's saying add tiles, add circles. Um, giving you the limits of the map. So we're sending that just straight over the WebSocket pipe in effect, instead of setting up a tag to house it. Yeah. So not, not necessary, but I think to me, for it just seems a little. Well, it, it's more intuitive more to me with how I develop, you know, let's, let's, let's separate out that piece and then inject it in like in a functional way. I feel like a parameter way. I feel that's more natural to what I'm used to. Yeah, so what we do is we send that with, uh, to Shiny Input. Yes. Um, but we render the plot in a similar way. We'll see that in a little bit. So similar to the ggplot, same mechanism, but just to prove. So how do we run this? Um, we just, well, here, we all we're saying is, again, template. So here's the HTML template pointed to that file that was created, um, but built off of um, this main one where you can see a little better what's going on. And it populates the dependencies in effect. Oops, let me get back to the right place. And here we're saying, add the leaflet dependency. And this is an ugly way of doing it, um, but we're adding the leaflet binding, the leaflet library, the all the different things, except those that conflict or we don't need because we already know we have jQuery. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I, I, I'm getting the gist of it. Now, I personally, um, I kind of alluded to it earlier, I haven't used HTML widget or HTML templates in that traditional sense. So there's still some pieces I haven't played with, like how did it, how did it know to put that appropriate content in that head content placeholder in the template like is there some magic going on behind the scenes i don't know about or how does that so it's out? it looks for that name head content and knows uh, where that is okay, okay you can also set up to where you say you want a shiny button input yeah that also gets populated in that whisker slot mm -hmm. you can do that you can set up action buttons you can do numeric inputs you can do all of those things where in this case i build those kind of manually Sure. Meaning, um, let's see, where is the slot? So here's the slot. Ooh, here it is for the plot. But I could have the problem here is it's it's only going to one file, index.html, mm -hmm. and this is a component deeply nested in terms of our view components. <laughs> right. So we just say instead that it's a shiny plot output. And then that shiny bind says, oh, that's a plot output. I know what to do with this. Yeah, no matter where it is, it knows what to do with it. Yeah. Right. And view okay. doesn't care. It do, it's just a class. So it, it doesn't affect that mechanism. So let's just see it work. Yeah. Um, like I said, this is uh, maybe going a step too far, but I think it really opens up a traditional JavaScript environment. And then you still have all the pleasantries of R and shiny. So let's run this app. And let's see what it looks like. 
So here, this is your normal template. That's so uh, cool. Beautify, <laughs> but we get a plot, not a pretty one, um, but we could make it as pretty, pretty as we want. I think we are spoiled by ggplot and R. Actually, I know we are. Oh, of course. And that even with all the D3 and all the other things that have been built, um, ggplot is still by far the most pleasant API for generating static graphics. Um, so if we want static graphics and we are in this system, then why, why not use it? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So this could be any plot. Um, like I mentioned before, this is just plot one to 20. Yep. But um, as you said, you could swap that out with anything else that R could do. I could put a plotly plot in there. I could put any yeah. other visualization in there and it's all going to just embed in at that placeholder. Like you said. I'm glad you mentioned that because the key to this is widget. We use leaflet, but it could be plotly. But let's look at kind of how the DOM set up. Mm -hmm. And that here. You mind zooming on that a little bit, the DOM? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. That's yeah. Too far. <laughs> there we go. Very good. Yeah. Thank okay, you. Okay. So we have, um, let's see what shiny filled in that slot. Here it is. So our head content. Um, right, jQuery, shiny, shiny, and then yep. we added all of those dependencies so that the leaflet would, widget would map. Um, let's collapse that down, and you'll see that even though we have a leaflet widget, it's not rendered at this point. I do not have the keep alive option on, which makes it harder, um, but we're just traversing down. This is um, the buttons, um, and here's our button for the widget. That's going to move it, but it's not actually a widget. Mm -hmm. And then here's our container, which is that router view that Herman showed us earlier. Um, and this is, let me just move this over a little bit so you can see here, 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 here. But nowhere in here is a widget. Um, so it means it's not burdening the DOM or the memory uh, with that instance. Um, so if this was a really intense, like GL or something like that it's nice that it's only rendered when we say go here yeah right um but now we have this and then if we were to go back into that we would see that all that other stuff we were just looking at is effectively gone so it's not polluting our dom um right now this is all that lives there uh, but traditional you can't see but i'm doing forward and back buttons here um so you can see it's traditional router um, but we have all of what I consider the very powerful tooling, the things that we know and love about R in this instance. Um, you so, can also use uh, modern things like the Observer Intersection API to realize if something is actually visible on the page or not. And then you could condition that with VF statement uh, saying uh, that's not going to be there. So if you have a thousand maps, you know, and you want to scroll, uh, you could still do that. Uh, uh, but there wouldn't be a thousand in the DOM. They would be created for you at the right time and inserted into the DOM. Yeah. So we get lots of options. Um, but here, note this is ugly. I spent about three seconds on styling this. Um, but a traditional view would have the nav bar, beautify and nav bar and all the other uh, neat things uh, we could install here. Um, but just to show it work in a new super modern context is Vite, um, is the new view through three uh, built off ES build, which means that build I'll show you is much quicker 
than the old one, even on my really old computer. Oh. Um, but this sets a template in the same way. And it's not, it's now the Svelte tool of choice, meaning Veep Power Svelte Kit. Um, and they also have, uh, the community has built Veep for React and various other things. So really it just makes that build much quicker, um, nearly instantaneous. But just for fun, let's do the same thing. Both of these are out on GitHub. Um, this one, let me just show you. I think it's going to be in the notes. View R, and here's Vite. Um, so we're doing the same thing, except in here it's uh, View Three. Um, so we initialize the template. I won't go there. We add legacy. It's not as important now. Our studio is built on a modern um, JavaScript uh, engine. Whereas in the old days, you might remember, we could only write an old JavaScript. We couldn't use any of the new features now. So it yeah. used to have to run Babel or something else. Now right. you can run almost anything. Yeah, um, it's a different time let's now. See what, <laughs> what it looks like to change it. So very similarly, this is the magic. Yeah. In that HTML, it's in a different place with V, but we add head content. We could add more stuff here. Um, here instead of dist or actually in dist, but in assets. So all of the stuff sits inside of there. Maybe it's easier to look in VS code. And Eric, you tell me if we need to stop. Um, oh, we're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> all right. So, uh, here's all the assets live, um, but a very modern form, a very tiny package. Um, but let's say we are to build this and we're going to build it from scratch um, or rebuild it. So we've added the shiny bits and pieces. Um, this one doesn't have the widget, but uh, I have not made a widget component for V3. Um, but here, V build, it's going to build. And while it's building, uh, you can see this happens in like 10 seconds on a, on a new computer. <laughs> this one happens to be a six-year-old underpowered from inception computer now while that's working i have a, a question now i've been for my shiny apps lately i've been building them as packages with the golem framework for example yeah. now the idea would be once you build it here you take those compiled parts and then put that into the golem package is that my understanding right. okay all right that we're building an entire set. Yeah. Let's say we just okay. wanted the JavaScript piece of it, um, but we wanted testing and linting and all the things a JavaScript developer, professional JavaScript developer might want. Mm -hmm. um, then we could just copy the compiled, minified, transpiled, whatever else you want to do that into a single JS file that you could plug into your www directory. Sure. Or in Golem, I think it puts it somewhere else. I yeah, there's an incident www stuff. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so, cool. Okay. Same thing. In general, I don't think you'd be getting the HTML piece from here in a Golem app. Right. But you could. You could use a template. I think in the book, it shows how to use a template instead yep. of a traditional UI. Exactly. Okay. Well, this is cool. I'm connecting the dots more. Yeah. This is very yeah nice. So we built it. There's an additional set of files for legacy, meaning if it, if it's looking for this functionality and it can't find it, it's going to go to the legacy instead of this, but we can see these are tiny files, right? So we know there's been some tree shaking in here um, because right. it's not, it's not 
grabbing all the bits and pieces from all the NPM packages that we're not using um, while we're here. So on Shiny Connected, and this is a little ugly um, because <laughs> we're using the window object, but it works. Um, you could do an import export thing to make it where you just use the dollar sign, um, but I kind of left it this way so you can tell exactly what it's doing. Yeah, this is good for learning purposes for sure. Yep. <clears throat> Data in view three has to be a function. Um, it oh. was encouraged in view two, but you could use a bare object um, as long as you are aware of what you're doing. In this case, we're passing shiny and our studio people are probably cringing at this point. This is not in the official API. Um, but what we're doing is we're supplying that. But the issue with view three is it doesn't want to pass by reference. So a big difference between JavaScript and R is R passes a copy. Yeah. JavaScript passes a reference. So if I were to make this somewhere, change somewhere else, then that, so it gives you a copy with view. So what we then do is say, once it's mounted, let's take this new shiny reactive input and I'm gonna bind my um, app, but then I'm gonna replace, and this is where it gets really cringeworthy, is I'm gonna replace the official shiny data object with our new view three reactive data object. So then we have JavaScript reactive reactivity directly from the shiny input values. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily encourage it, but I think it's interesting in terms of concept. And then we create the app. So you notice this is a little different in V3, but not significantly. All right, and let's see what that looks like. Um, so here, very similar. We just changed that resource path. I've added this just to show it um, mm -hmm. in the console. We're going to run our app. And it looks different with V then. And I've got to refresh because it still has cached JavaScript and CSS, but here's a shiny input, right? You, but over here, we can see that this is reacting to that and there's nothing telling it to react. Very cool. Again, right. getting to that, the view frameworks handling all that, you're just using shiny to glue things together. Yeah, and then we take that extra step where we use views data in effect, it's source of truth as shiny input values. So again, not necessarily encouraged, but I wanted to make sure that we showed that it's possible. Absolutely. Um, and um, if you want the benefit of shiny with the difference between plumber and shiny is that plumber doesn't maintain state. True. Whereas shiny keeps state. So if you are doing some very intense processing or you have heavy loads of data that you don't want to pass back and forth then shiny is a better option than plumber um, a couple instances of things i found that don't live in javascript even with a very active community would be the survival package um, so used in quite a few fields certainly medicine um, does not exist there's no equivalent in javascript and i would estimate 500 to a thousand hours of effort to make it happen in JavaScript. So I, in that case, I definitely want R to just give me that. Python has another advantage or either of the two. Um, I was the other day, I was trying to do multivariate linear regression. Not that hard to do in R, hmm. it's simple. Yeah. Um, but there's, I couldn't find a single library. You could, I think, do it indirectly through TensorFlow, 
but it's painful. Boy, that so seems that like case, a lot of overkill for just a multiple linear so regression. I yeah. just, um, in that case, uh, shiny and um, the connection was very powerful. The data passed back and forth, and I didn't have to spend hours and hours of building a new JavaScript library. Right, right. Yeah, um, you so, use the right tool for the right job, right? <laughs> Yeah. So I wanted to make sure, um, do we have like five more minutes? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Herman, you still with us? Do you want to pipe in? Yeah. Do you want to well, maybe it's good to remind people the build step is absolutely essential because if once you make a single file component, your browser, even those JavaScript and its view doesn't know what that is. So that does need to get built and compiled into something else. And that's what the build step does or in, in our submission, the loader does that. It does it on the fly, but you absolutely need that step. So maybe it's good to, to clarify that JavaScript uh, and Vue uh, are sometimes, uh, yeah, it is a JavaScript framework, but the, the way you write the code uh, gets built into actual JavaScript. It's close to JavaScript, but it still needs one more step, which is that build step that does it. Maybe that's uh, good to uh, to mention that you cannot escape that step unless you go web components, but that's a completely different uh, topic, I would say. Yeah, and, um, I would say yes, you do need a build step. Chinese doesn't know what to do with single file components. Um, but uh, Vue is now in CRAN. I mentioned that it's open. It's in its own organization, meaning I don't want it to be bound to me. I like for audience participation. If you're still with us at this point through both episodes, uh, come join us. Let us know your ideas. There's a couple of issues that I found that I was going to go through real, real quickly and saying sort of a cutting edge, potentially bad ideas, but uh, maybe worth viewing. Um, so I was going to go through those real quickly. Um, so what if we could link view to crosstalk? Oh, you're, you're talking right. my jam now. I've been playing with crosstalk quite a bit these days. So if you played with it, you probably know it works well, um, meaning even though it's an R tool, um, but the API is a little sort of non-standard, right? Yeah, um, but Here we set it up and let's see, just to prove it, um, let's tie it with Plotly. So we're yep. going to just play around. All If you're familiar with Crosstalk, we won't get into that conversation. Uh, sorry if you're not, because don't want to burn up too much time on that. But we're going to use Beautify to change crosstalk, but also listen to it. Well, no, this one's the wrong one. Hang on. <laughs> you got so much good content, there. Ken. You don't know which one to run. <laughs> it does do it there, but we're going to add the, the Beautify piece here. Um, so. So I was really geeky uh, recently for a presentation. I embedded crosstalk in a Sherrigan presentation, just linking like a reactable table to Plotly. It was, it was, I couldn't believe I was doing it for a slide, but it worked. <laughs> so where I can't, Greg Lynn is an absolute genius on react table. Is he ever? I love that. An package, absolute yeah. joy to watch. He's yeah. the one that gave me the idea for the HTML widget container. Wow. Because okay. in effect, he does the same thing in React. When you supply an HTML widget to a cell, it becomes a React component. And he oh. has the sort of mechanism to translate an HTML widget into uh, something that React knows what to do with. 
Um, so that's kind of where I came up with the idea. There is an issue out there if you have any comments. Um, but all right, so this is a Beautify select, uh, meaning we saw this drop down. But see in the plotly. Nice. All right, I hope it's big enough. Oh, it's. Oh, it's. It. I can see it. Yeah, looking good. Uh, it's not shiny. It's all crosstalk. Um, so let's zoom in a little bit. And we can also see that that changes, that chip um, changes up in the top as six is highlighted, right? Four, six, eight, but crosstalk, we can say, all right, let's add six. Let's add eight. Now let's subtract six. And down at the bottom, just to prove its view here, we're just printing out that, um, that selection handle. So um, in effect, what view what crosstalk is is a shared store of state yes um and if we think about it in that way um view could replace crosstalk almost we just sorry <laughs> view, view could no view could replace crosstalk and then we have full advantage of reactivity um but we can definitely build this out but i think this is where you kind of push the edges a little bit and say oh okay we can do this i never thought about that um, but the power of crosstalk, especially reactable and plotly, um, have very good support for it. So why don't we take advantage of that? Um, but we can still tie it into view. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about. Maybe it's good to mention that uh, Vuex uh, fulfills a similar role. So now you see, you said two widgets that need somehow to, to know about state and it's sort of shared state. So shared state, so the brush, some, some, Somehow the brushing means something else to another component. So the way you would do that with Vuex would be uh, once you brush, you tell Vuex that you did what you done, and then any other component can subscribe to that state and they can do whatever they want with that state. Now uh, the folks from our studio, Joe, etc., they made that easy to use with Crosstalk because they sort of can anticipate what it is that you want to do here. Uh, but uh, in a more generic sense, I would say Beautify is a, sorry, Vuex fulfills a similar role. It's a state manager and it, it does exactly that. It manages state between uh, different components. It can compute stuff. It can do asynchronous stuff, by the way, uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's sort of um, a similar idea, I would say. Uh, but this is very specific to widgets and R. And the Vuex thing is, Maybe more work, but um, not tied to R at all. Yeah. Do we have three more minutes? Let's do it. All right. So Herman brought up Vuex. So let's say what happens if we, uh, in a different way, use Vuex um, as our store. Um, and I want to show people that aren't familiar with Vue kind of what that means. Um, it can mean some pa fairly powerful things. So we are supplying Vuex, a traditional store, and we're saying just commit, increment, decrement. Um, so this is from Vue, so straight JavaScript, controlling that zero, right? Mm -hmm. But these are actual shiny buttons. So just to prove it, this is a tag button. Um, and that's JavaScript. And here is a shiny button. They look exactly the same, um, but then we can see down in the server that we're actually sending a message to commit um, on increment or decrement. So we're sending that custom message 
here when we get the shiny um, action, right? So using view X as its single <laughs> source of truth. Nice. But what I wanted to show here is where you start to see the power of it. Let me add it up. Let me do function F12 or control J for those. I think everybody's familiar with that. But there's view tools, dev tools. And it fully supports this. So this is our base state, meaning oh. all we did supply account. Now, what happens if we change that? Watch to the left. Whoa, Pretty I can see right? this being huge for debugging and learning what's happening. This is now awesome. Watch. Let's just go through a couple here. We're just counting down. All of these are messages. Yep. We can time travel back. Wow. Oh, this right? is fun. And yeah. then we get the full benefit of that in Shiny. Or if we want to just go back to the start, we can say, um, go here, or we can commit, revert, or go back. So we can just go all the way back to zero, just say we're done with that. So pretty neat concept. Herman, do you want to add anything on that? Yeah. So uh, you can take this even one step further. So it's further, so it's called time travel you know, in, in uh, view. And what you can do is you can, let's say you have a giant store and you have a very complex state, you can eject the whole state of the store and stick it in a JSON file. You can load that JSON file and bam, your app is right back where you left it. So oh, you yes. can actually eject, eject state and, uh, and put it back in. Which is uh, for bookmarking or whatever. It's yep. actually I, I use shiny bookmarking all the time, but this is kind of its own take on yeah, it. Yeah, you basically yeah. get a JSON, you stick it in the database, you get it. Yep. You know, or, and then uh, bam, you're on, you're rolling. I so, am. I'm very intrigued. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So same thing here. Uh, there's a couple hooks, and this is view use uh, by Antfu again, and uh, it will say you wanted to store it local storage so that somebody leaves and comes back in the same browser on a different day and you wanted to pick back up where they left off. So similar to shiny bookmark, but entirely on the web, um, then you can just spit out the entire state. And then if we have some mechanism connect shiny with UX state, then the user is back to where they started. Um, so neat little concept that uh, starts to, I think, illustrate things we don't necessarily have in traditional shiny apps that if we add view or react has a similar mechanism. One more concept that maybe in a future blog post, uh, you know, we, we can do is a view as a very interesting thing, which is called, you can have a component and you don't say what it is. You dynamically say what the component is. So you can have, you have an, uh, um, uh, a directive that's called is, and then you can give it a name and this can, really um, dynamically create a component into whatever it needs to be. So why is this important? Uh, you can serialize that really easily. So you can say I make a dashboard and I got you know tons of widgets and I want them in a certain configuration and that, that's different for different users. Say you like your widgets organized one way, somebody else likes it another way. And uh, it's very easy actually to load a JSON that says, okay, which components did you actually want? And then with the trick that we just showed you, say, what data does it actually need to have? And then you just do it, right? And then so this can you can create 
uh, apps which have, say, a dynamic user interface, which could be different, you know, from person to person, depending on what they do. So you can very easily create things that drag and drop a whole um, um, dashboard together and serialize this and very easily load that in and say, you can put it in your local storage or you can put it into a database, whatever you want. And it gives for an insane flexibility uh, in what an app actually is capable of uh, because that component itself could be a full-blown app. It doesn't matter. The components can be nested. So there's a lot more power, I think. And if you combine that with the power that R brings in graphics and widgets and in um, data and the tidyverse specifically, that's a lot of power that you that you suddenly have. Yeah, that I'm I'm absolutely blown away by the possibilities that I just saw in the last few minutes alone. This is this is really exciting. I know one last thing, not view, but built on sort of the same concept. It's actually a React tool, but it's supplied as Vault IO. Oh. Um, and it's a reactive state similar to Vuex, um, except it's available vanilla. So again, the same concept is what if we make our input values, we replace our input values with a JavaScript reactive um, object. So this makes it standalone. So it's available with no build step. Um, and then we can um, have full reactivity with Vault IO. We just replace input values again. Our studio might be cringing with a reactive JavaScript um, view that's actively maintained. So lots of things to think about. And I love anybody that wants to play with this stuff. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just when I thought I started to have my eyes on the pulse of the different possibilities, you just blow me away with even more to look at. This is this is exciting. So possibly overwhelming, but uh, I do want to stress that getting started is really easy, um, meaning that you don't have to understand exactly what's going on to add a view component inside of a shiny app. It's a literally two or three lines of code. That I think that's the key message, right? Is that we've seen in the in the last conversations we just had all the different possibilities, but the, take 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 little bits at a time. And through the examples you showed earlier, it's very easy. Just start what you know in Shiny. Just build a little bit here and there, here and there. Start finding components you like. Start doing the custom input generation. UI generation as you see fit, and then gradually work your way up to maybe an app where basically most of the processing is done in view, and then Shine is just doing the parts that say are and Shine are best at. Like you said, the survival model fitting, other statistical model fitting. Why go outside that ecosystem? Just put it all in when you see fit. But you got choices here. You're not just bound to one or the other. Yep. I yeah. guess Kent and I are secretly hoping that by doing this and pushing this stuff that we also can nudge our studio a little bit to to give more support for React and for Vue because it's so awesome with so much power in those tools that it's too good to pass, you know? So um, I hope these efforts help and uh, yeah. Oh, so let me, yeah, go ahead, Kent. Yeah. Let me make sure everybody knows our studio was very generous, uh, Alan. Dippert, Dippert uh, was uh, was working on that while he was at our studio, and 
pushed it forward tremendously, meaning there's lots of mechanisms that aren't available in VR because of his work. Well, that, that's great and to know. Extremely thankful as well for everything that our studio has done. Absolutely. I really enriched my life with the, the ability to, to use Shiny. And if it wasn't for Shiny, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So thanks to Joe and the team and, and Hallie and all these people, Winston. Um, and they're great folks, you know. So uh, every time I met him, it was a blast. So I uh, hope they can do what they do. And uh, I'll definitely keep using it. Yeah, absolutely. We're all big fans of everything they've done, and it opened the door for us to explore these different areas of our development lives, so to speak, and tying it with R and doing our, our jobs very effectively. Well, I mean, certainly I'm going to need a lot of time to unpack a lot of what I just saw, but that's good. This is what I wanted when some of my downtime to start getting into new tech in the R ecosystem, and this is definitely it. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely mention once again, like I did in the last episode, we're going to have links to everything Kent showed, the GitHub repos, the example scripts there in the show notes. And um, for our listeners that kind of want to keep up with things, um, you kind of moved to a little bit, Kent, um, but I'll throw out to both of you. Um, what's the best way that our audience can get involved in, in the work you're doing in the open source? You want me to start? Sure. So I sort of pseudo anonymously go by timely portfolio. It's under my picture there. Yep. Um, that is me. Uh, and that's on GitHub or Twitter. Um, have not been as active on the blog. Um, but GitHub probably be the best way to get involved in this directly. But if you want to see things I like or um, ideas that I have, Twitter would probably be the best place to go. Good. How about you, Herman? I would still refer to Kent saying uh, I'm not as active in the community as Kent is because uh, I'm mostly JavaScript coded these days. Uh, but so uh, I, I don't use Twitter uh, actually very, very regularly. So uh, besides the, the, the repos that we have for Fresh Analytics, uh, you can find me there. But um, I'm not that active, to be honest. I, I just felt it was really nice uh, to put these ideas forward. And I had a little break in the shiny uh, stuff. And then I just, I don't know how I, I contacted Ken and said, why don't we do something crazy at this crazy you know, submission, which we both knew it's never going to win, not because it's not a good idea, because it's insane. And uh, <laughs> uh, we just tried it. <laughs> so I'm happy that we could show what it is. Uh, but I can imagine that Joe needs a couple of you know, uh, drinks by now to see what we all suggested here. Uh, but, but it's, uh, yeah, I really enjoy working on it. And um, yeah, it just shows what the power of R uh, together with JavaScript can do. And I hope other people can uh, use this work somehow, find some inspiration in what to do. And uh, yeah, once again, I want to thank our studio and Kent, uh, you know, for, for all the amazing stuff that they've done. And I'm really glad uh, that we could explain uh, in this uh, uh, series, you know, what, what what we feel is cool next possibilities. And then let's see what happens. Can just put out the package on CRAM, which is awesome if you are. Yes. So I uh, suggest people take a look and uh, see what they uh, what they think. Yeah, going to sound better myself. Um... So this is exactly why I do this show. I love to showcase not only 
things that we already know about and kind of new uses of it, but things that I'm sure many of our audience did not realize is possible. So that's, again, the spirit of, of what we do here. So immense thanks to both of you, uh, Herman and Ken, for joining me today. We, we talked about a lot, and I can guarantee you that at some point in my future development, streaming, probably sooner than later, I am going to start using Vue for one of the apps I have in the open, and who knows what will turn out of it. it, it hopefully it will work well, but yeah, I know where to go to if I find any issues, but more importantly, I'll be able to be a, a showcase for what's possible there. So look forward to yeah. that. Yep. And um, for anybody online who's watching, wants to know more about what's happening in the world of Shiny, well, we have a great back catalog of conversations just like this. Um, we heard mentioned the recent episode of Colin Fay, who's been on twice, many other guests as well. So just head to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Shiny Developer Series or ShinyDevSeries.com. We have all the resources in each episode linked on that site. And stay tuned. We got a lot more showcases of the Shiny Contest submissions. And yeah, we're starting to plan out 2022. So who knows what kind of fun, shiny uh, stuff we'll be showing then. So again, thanks to everybody watching. And thanks again to Kent and Herman for joining me. And we will see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.